Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Odie Donald II, and Odie is the Chief of Staff for the City of Atlanta. Welcome to the podcast, Odie. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited to join you today. Yeah, so am I. I'm really looking forward to hearing some of your story. Uh, first of all, for our listeners who are in all different parts of the world, Odie, and, and so uh, I always find it fascinating how different countries, different governments, different, you know, how it works differently. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do as chief of staff for the city of Atlanta? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I serve under Mayor Andre Dickens, who is the 61st mayor of Atlanta. And uh, he joins the city at a very crucial time in our future where we have been ranked as one of the most inequitable cities in the nation. And on his behalf, you know, I oversee the mayor's office and oversee all political and uh, staff uh, activities related to carrying out his big vision for Atlanta. So he is focused on housing uh, or housing equity for sure, uh, youth services, workforce development, uh, efficient government, and the quick fast and effective delivery of services for our government that has about 10,000 employees. And so on his behalf, I carry out his vision for the city and ensure that our everything from our day-to-day -day operations, legislative activities, uh, and his political will truthfully is carried out uh, throughout all areas of government. Yeah, fantastic. That's a very articulate way to explain a big job. So thank you for doing that. Let's uh, <laughs> let's jump into your story. I'm really excited to, I always love hearing leaders' stories. Let's start with your childhood, Odie. Growing up, as you look back, what were some of the moments from that season of your life that really shaped you into the person and the leader you are today? Yeah, man, so many. That's really a great question. So I am from uh, what most folks call the SWATs, Southwest Atlanta, uh, you know, a part of town that has for a very long time been kind of the cradle of African-American leadership and uh, had a very unique childhood <clears throat> because both of my parents uh, were from other places. They kind of migrated to Atlanta together. And, uh, you know, as I was a child, they ended up uh, getting divorced. And so I got to see two different Atlantas. So my father uh, was a high ranking executive. Uh, as I was growing up, he ran Bell South Mobility, uh, cable and wireless uh, in the Caribbean, uh, as well as direct TV. As I was kind of coming of age, while my mother um, went back to school at the uh, illustrious Georgia State University and would kind of tote me and my younger brother around and she was juggling motherhood, uh, working for the state 
as well as pursuing, you know, her degree. And so uh, financially, I think, you know, my father was in an extraordinary place, you know, and my mother would be considered working class. And so we stayed, you know, in different parts of the community, some of those uh, projects and low income housing all the way to, you know, some of some of the better neighborhoods in Southwest Atlanta, while I think conversely, uh, on the other side, I would be with my father staying in what would be more of the more affluent African-American and then just in general, most affluent communities uh, in Atlanta. <clears throat> so I think that really kind of helped to create, I guess, my perspective as a leader, being able to see, you know, the various parts of life, having access to everything that really the world could offer, but also, you know, enduring some of the challenges that come um, when you're in a lower income state and capacity. And so I think that has given me the perspective to be inclusive, uh, to really understand the challenges and the ills and also what happens when government or systems don't work or include everyone. And uh, so I think the, the biggest thing that I have taken from some of those experiences is really ensuring that when it comes to my profession and government, that government works for all people, but even more than that, mm. ensuring that citizens have a voice in their community, because regardless of what spectrum you are on the totem pole you're contributing yeah. to society and and really should have a stronger voice and the less equity you're involved in the more of a voice you should have yeah thank you for sharing that and i can hear uh, I, I love um hearing your passion for government because of the role you're in and um such an important oh just i i think you and uh the the team that you're a part of it, it sounds like you're doing incredible work as you think back, Odie, I love how you explained sort of having a foot in two different um, uh, experiences that a lot of people would only experience one or the other, but you sort of experienced both, specifically around government and services around around government. Are there any stories from your childhood from either, either side, whether it was with your mom or with your dad, that really played a big part in giving you the passion that you have for government, either something that you experienced that negatively or something you experienced really positively around government. Does anything come to mind? Yeah, I'll tell you, I'd say two things. And, and one would be from childhood, probably my first job. Uh, and then I think the other would be, you know, in my adult life, uh, post my athletic days, uh, really making some poor decisions and needing to have access to government. And I think those two activities are, are those, you know, different polar experiences are really what have shaped me to this day. So as a, a young man, uh, my father was the president of Bell South Mobility at the time that the Olympics was coming. And I think, you know, very, er very instrumental in ensuring that the Olympics came to Atlanta. And so because of that, I got the benefit of having, you know, my first job being around the Olympics, both as a part of the Olympics, as well as a summer program that gave youth access to the Olympics. And so as a young man myself, I think it was around 16, maybe 17 years old, I got to really engage with some of, you know, what would be the, the greatest leaders um, in Atlanta's history, you know, Maynard Jackson, 
uh, Shirley Franklin, two of our greatest mayors, if not the two greatest mayors, but also, you know, different business people uh, from R.K. Siegel, who was working with H.J. Uh, Russell, one of the larger African-American uh, construction uh, firms. Uh, and then my first job was actually as a, I guess we'll call it a camp counselor as uh, for Capital View Apartments, a program that was ran into that community. And it was a uh, housing project at the time. And so I think the folks there were really looking for opportunities to be connected with the Olympics and, uh, and be connected to all of the opportunities that were coming to Atlanta and giving access to those young folks, you know, and I, what I experienced was, you know, the, the responsibilities of government and service delivery at a time that I was not uh, welcome or not ready. And uh, I ended up being terminated from a job that I guess my father probably created for me. And the lesson <laughs> that I learned from that is, you know, government is about access, it's about service delivery, and it's about quality. And those yeah. expectations that we have for our government, you know, apply to everyone. And so I think for me, yeah. being in government much later in life, I think my expectations of our staff and of all of those that benefit from the investment that our community stakeholders make, whether it be with their sales tax dollars or their property tax dollars, or even with their you know, expectations and desires for what they want to see in government, I think that's really shaped my perspective is that heavy burden and blessing of being able to lead and serve those in your community. Really quickly though, I think mm. as I, I got older, you know, I was an athlete, did very well, played internationally in about nine different countries and, you know, made a, a decent amount of money. But of course, injuries and things always come into play. And as I was exiting being an athlete, uh, experienced some injuries, put some funds away for a rainy day, um, which, you know, was a smart thing to do, but likely the timing, not so much. And because of that, you know, I had no degree. I left school early to pursue my dream and, and have that level of success. But entering into the job market post that uh, being an athlete was very difficult. And so I actually experienced a bout of sporadic homeless and could not access government services wow. when needed. And so mm. uh, that's actually how I got my entryway into government. And it's been the thing that has fueled me ever since is really knowing that, you know, the issues that government helps to resolve and provide mm. in the service delivery mechanism is something that, you know, impacts everyone, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what their experiences are or how you view them. Everyone deserves that level of access to be able to take those next steps in their life, in their career, for their family, you know, to be safe, to be uh, to, to have access to employment, uh, to be able to contribute to how services are delivered in their community. All of those things are extremely valuable. And when government fails at that, it plays a very unique and impactful role in the success of its citizens. And so I got yeah. that lesson both as a young wow. man and as an adult. Yeah, incredible. Thank you so much for sharing both of those stories. Um, and 
I want to ask you about your career as an athlete and leadership and uh, such different experiences from being a a professional athlete to um, leading in in government. And yet I imagine there are some overlapping principles. What did you learn as an athlete that you feel has really stuck with you and, and you sort of use those same lessons as a leader? You know, I think it's the the fact that everyone is valuable and, you know, whether it be government, whether it be business, whether it be athletics, which to be honest is a private sector business, you know, it takes everybody and everybody has value. You know, I, I had some success as a young man, you know, uh, whether it be we won a AAU national championship as a 17 year old, you know, playing with a bunch of pros and against a bunch of pros while, you know, also having some success in college, you know, both at at two universities that ended up playing in the NCAA tournament, uh, winning conference championships and all of that good stuff. And when I look back on my time as an athlete, whether it be internationally or right here in the States, the most important members of the team were sometimes the folks that didn't play much, you know, the person who, when you're not playing well, that would go to the gym and get shots up with you or go to the weight room late at night, you know, let you release some steam mm. and just kind of talk through things has an incredible value. It definitely had a value for me. But also, you know, the person that gets you hyped before a big game but also calms you down and give you that balance is not always, you know, your point guard or your center or your leading scorer or any of those things, you know, that's many times who we're following as athletes as a part of that. But then also being bestowed the leader or the position of team captain, you know, and and looking at your peers who are looking to you for leadership in what, you know, is sometimes very dire situations and difficult situations, I think helped to prepare me for just leadership in general. And I'll give you a, a quick story about that. When I was in the District of Columbia, Mm. we were ranked. uh, When I came, we were, you know, D.C. is neither a city nor a state nor a county. It's a district. And so it's kind of an outlier. And so there are nine additional uh, places like that. Puerto Rico, I won't go through all of them. But uh, of the 59 uh, states and districts, D.C. was rated you know, number 59 when it came to workforce and economic development programs. So you got to be really bad to be 59, the 59th state out of 50. And uh, when we look at our turnaround, which happened very quickly and probably is the thing that helped to catapult my career, the people who made the biggest difference in that turnaround were the folks that you wouldn't expect to have had an input. I still remember and talk about my guy Vernon, who worked in our mailroom and uh, served as my driver during the time of of my tenure there. And uh, unemployment insurance was just a big challenge for us there. And uh, while we came up with amazing strategies to get funds out of the door, eliminate waste, fraud, and abuse, and redo our procurement practices, among other things, the biggest part was making sure that folks got paid. And Vernon one day, you know, he was seeing all the success we had and he wanted to be a part of it because he was, you know, closest to the executive leader. And we had to have the conversation that he might be the most vital part. 
because about 80% of the folks receiving unemployment insurance didn't do it through direct deposit. They did it through the mail. So, matter, so no matter what we put into place, no matter what our strategy was, if we didn't have folks like Vernon carrying out and implementing at the highest levels, then we would have never been able to truly have the levels of success that are necessary. So again, just like in basketball or any other mm. sport, the yeah. least of these are sometimes the most important folks. And so that's also why you take care of them, you know, as you go through these processes to make sure that you're delivering the best services because the folks that are closest to the ground are the most important part of the service delivery process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, what have you learned about how to get reliable feedback? It, because it gets more, it gets harder and harder in larger organizations, but you hit the nail on the head. The people who are most important are the people closest to the ground who are actually doing that work. And I, I often hear leaders explain the challenge of getting, uh, really hearing as clearly as possible from the people who are on the ground. What have you learned about how to do that? Man, I'll tell you, it's been a work in progress and it changes from city to city and place to place. I've been, I've had the honor and the privilege of working for nine different executives, both mayors, governors, you know, different uh, executives throughout government. And we do something different in every place. And, uh, but the key is going directly to the people, both external customers and internal customers is how I look at it. And so the greatest ideas, the greatest strategies, all of those things have actually come from our frontline workers. One thing that I have implemented is something I call leadership on location. And so that's where we take the biggest problems in government and we take them to our frontline staff. Senior leaders have no role in this process. They can observe, they take notes, they help to facilitate, but they don't actually get to be idea folks in this instance. We go to frontline folks with some of those biggest problems and we ask them how they would resolve them. And I'll tell you that process is undefeated because again, we're hearing from the people who really understand what's important yeah. to our external customer. And the other part of it is they're going to be responsible for delivering that service. And so starting with them also helps them to become invested in these solutions. And so that's, that's one way is really kind of, cutting out the feedback loop and doing a direct, uh, I'll call it direct to consumer or direct to customer, mm. uh, you know, conversation and feedback loop, kind of shorten it, removing some of the roadblocks and kind of making sure that everyone is involved, but those closest to it get the first crack at resolving problems. Yeah. It's the same thing with our external customers though. You know, when we're yeah. talking about citizens, who are funding the government, there's no way you can not hear from them and then, you know, introduce everything from your budgets or your plans for new initiatives or even, you know, large real estate ventures where you're bringing everything from affordable housing or in some instances like we're doing in Atlanta, choosing our police chief. You've got to start with people. And uh, I think that's something that I've been blessed to work with executive leaders who agree on that. And that's why we've been so successful. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the different ideas you shared there. In terms of people you've worked with, and I know there's probably a long list, but um, can you share yeah. a couple 
a couple of great leaders who've had a, a big influence on you from watching how they have led through whether it be uh, they've, they've had big wins or whether they've had to lead through a crisis or you've just yeah. had the chance to be in their team. Who, who comes to mind? Who's been a real mentor for you as uh, a leader? I, I tell you, first and foremost, I'm blessed because my father has been a basically a Fortune 500, Fortune 100 CEO. And so having somebody like that under the same roof that you can go to is an amazing resource. And, you know, probably outside of my son serves as my best friend and, and mentor at the same time. So I always kind of start with him because his experience is, you know, as an African-American man who came up during the civil rights and affirmative action era to lead some of the largest companies um, in the world uh, is a big deal. And so I think I start with him, but also, you know, I had the pleasure of working for the Honorable uh, Muriel Bowser in the District of Columbia and her tenacity and love for Washingtonians is something that, to be honest, is the reason I'm back home in Atlanta right now because other parts of the world have been extremely attractive and, you know, compensated me well and, you know, taken care and exposed my family to things that I probably would have never seen. But that love for your hometown and to see, you know, the people of your city have access and a true pathway to the middle class has been one of the things that has, you know, inspired me. You know, there's another young lady, uh, Courtney mm. Snowden, who served as the deputy mayor for economic development. I'm sorry, economic opportunity while I was in the district, who has been just as much friend as mentor, but, you know, taking things to the people and always ensuring that your door is open to the folks that nobody will listen to is a, letter, a lesson that I will take with me forever. But uh, I mean, there are so many different <laughs> folks that I, I could think of, uh, even when it comes to workforce development, uh, Mr. Burrell Billingsley uh, passed away a few years back, but the care in which he delivered service, you know, he required excellence. And if you could not serve us, you had to move on and work somewhere else but he'd help you find that right position for you. And so that care for making sure that we not only deliver services externally, but we take care of people and make sure they land well because everyone deserves to earn for their family is something that is also, you know, meant quite a bit to me and, and I've incorporated into my leadership style. And then I, I'll be honest, I mean, I, and I'm not saying this just because I report and work for him now, but my current mayor, Andre Dickens, you know, I, you know, I could have worked a lot of different places. And, you know, I won't mention some of the folks that were recruiting me before I came home. But I mean, some of the biggest cities in our nation. And uh, there is something about something very special about not only his genuine care for people, but his equitable vision for Atlanta to be able to not only satisfy the needs of business, but do so in a way that people that have been left behind for a very long time have access to what the world has to offer, especially historic investments in our young people is something that, you know, I not only have a great respect for, but I admire and is, is really the reason why I'm here today and why I've enjoyed working with his administration so much. 
Yeah, wow, what a list. Um, and and great that you have the opportunity to work with someone who you respect so much and work for someone right now. Thank you for sharing that, Odie. Uh, well, let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got a few questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, the first question, what is a book that you've gifted to other people? The Energy Bus. Yes, great book uh, that mm. talks about really making sure the energy within your organization matches where you want to go. Oh, I like that. The energy bus. Oh, great recommendation. I love asking that question. Okay. What about right now? Um, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching? Is there any, uh, any blogs, are there any books you're in the middle of anything that you're just really enjoying right now? Yeah, I'm actually reading the power broker. Uh, good friend, Mr. Howard Franklin recommended it to me maybe almost 10 years ago. And uh, as I move into this new role that is a little less operational than normal uh, and more about influence, I've been reading The Power Broker, you know, talking about the history of New York and how things got done. Uh, so that's one that I've been reading uh, quite a bit. But I've also been uh, up on podcasts quite a bit. And there's a podcast on uh on Marcus Garvey uh, called Black Moses that uh, Miss uh, Ann Hill Bond recommended to me about a week ago. And so I've been following it, uh, just kind of learning more about not only Garvey, but you know how that pandemic, the initial pandemic that we know about uh, really impacted politics and the plight of African-Americans in America. Yeah, wow, that sounds. What was the name of the podcast again? Or what was it's it about? Black Elizabeth? Moses is the actual. Yeah. yeah, Black Moses is the actual episode that I've been uh, listening uh, to over the last uh, few days. But uh, right. it's, it's definitely a good. Yeah, wonderful. I'm always looking for new content. So I have to admit these questions in my yeah. Leadership Express are a little bit selfish as well, because I, I get the best recommendations. <laughs> and, and the Energy Bus is a great book as well. Uh, great recommendations. So thank you, yeah. Odie. Um, what about Absolutely. favorite questions that you ask? Say you're with a group of stakeholders, or you're sitting in an interview, a panel interview with the, with someone to join the staff, um, you know, or you're sitting with your team. Are there any questions that you really like to ask? people yeah i think you know if i'm going through let's say the interview process and i'm looking at talent i think you know one thing that i've learned is that uh this stuff is is everyone should benefit when you're connected in delivering service and so first i ask what you're passionate about you know what are you passionate about not only in your professional life but in your personal life and i think the second thing is you know, as we enter into this journey together, what can I do and what can this organization do to help you reach your long term goals? You know, I think it's a little mm. bit selfish to think people are joining you, you know, for as long as, you know, forever. There is no forever. And so <laughs> during our time together, it doesn't necessarily have to be transactional. You want to make sure that we're vested together because, you know, relationships, you know, go beyond these geographic uh, boundaries and these constraints of organizations. And so how we can yeah. work together and how we can accomplish our goals together is good to know going in. Yeah, I love that. They're, they're wonderful thoughts. Um, what about uh, on, a, on a lighter note, or you can pick something serious, a movie or TV show that 
really influenced you? So I'll tell you, I, I'm a big movie buff. I love movies. And now I will watch just about anything. But my all-time favorite movies are Coming to America, uh, <laughs> Purple Rain. And uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you that when it comes to TV, I've yeah. loved our TV well, movies. My third one is Scarface. I can't leave Scarface out. That's my yes. Those oh, my what a good three. list! <laughs> yeah, I love it. So different as well. All of, yeah, so I'm all over the spectrum. But uh, when it comes to television, I have really been big on uh, the television show Atlanta, but also uh -huh. another show uh, called Snowfall is one mm -hmm. that I, I really like as well. Those are kind of my two go-tos right now that I have kind of been addicted to. And uh, I'm also, because I have two young children that are, you know, take all of the time that, that they want and, and that I love to give them, <laughs> they love movies as well. So we're all addicted to Marvel movies and we'll yes. spend our Friday nights watching NWE wrestling. Uh, is a staple. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to be home by 8 p.m. watching wrestling. So ah, oh, that's so good. It's I, I love hearing that because um, coming from Australia, I have to admit the the wrestling uh, culture really gets lost on us over here. And whenever yeah. I hear something like that, I love to I love to hear how you sort of interact with it as a family because I I find that. In the same way that I'm sure five day cricket matches that we love here and that we'll, you know, yeah. if I could, I'd take five days off and go to the whole thing. Whereas I, I mentioned that to people in other parts of the world and they say they just think it's crazy that you would spend five days in one <laughs> match for a sport. So wrestling, Friday oh, night, Friday it. night watching wrestling. That's so good, Odie. I love it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, last question. Um, if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? Wow, that's a really good question. One piece of advice. You know, this, this is going to sound different, but I would say don't take advice. You know, follow your dreams and your visions. Listen to everyone, but don't take advice. Mm. Make your own decisions and stand on your own too so that you don't have any regrets in the direction that you're going. Mm. Uh, advice can sometimes turn you around and get you yeah. off of your path. And I think as much as we listen to all of these great leaders, all of these excellent folks who have blazed, you know, these different paths, most of them will tell you that while they may have been a blueprint or they had access to great leaders and had great mentorship, you know, that path that they that they blazed is their own. And so yeah. I guess to, to synthesize it, you know, don't be afraid to blaze your own path. Yeah, I love that so much uh, because I uh, just the other day watched the movie Bohemian Rhapsody about Queen. I know. Have you seen yeah. have you seen that movie? Yeah, it's. Um, have, yeah. Oh, and and it just reminded me, Freddie Mercury, the reason I think I love those movies so much is they put you in the shoes of this great incredibly talented person and and you forget when they're so famous and they're just that's a name you know yeah, queen yeah, freddie yeah. mercury you forget there was a time when people looked at him and said um no it's just not gonna work and and you're crazy and why that's right. like what are you guys doing and, and i think um one of my favorite quotes is this i uh, is that today's heresy 
is tomorrow's orthodoxy. And That's it's right. this idea that, you know, when you really are passionate about something and people look at you and say it's crazy, like you said, it, you need to have pe wise people around you speaking into your life. But when you know, you know, Freddie Mercury style, I'm going to go and do this. Um, I think, you know, once you've blazed that path, right, then people come down the same path and they say, this is great. Yeah, this was, yeah. this is always a great idea. But when you're in the midst of breaking that ground, as a lot of new leaders, as a lot of leaders are doing, there's always new ground to break. Um, everyone's not necessarily cheering you on. And you've got to have those moments where you go, actually, I'm going to stick to what I really believe and persevere. You know, you know, to that point, if you look at all of the great leaders, whether they be real mythical or somewhere in between, you know, that is their story. Jesus was not the popular guy when he was rock walking his earth. You know, Martin Luther King was villainized, you know, back in the day. You know, I, I mean, my father, when I talked to him about his path, you know, his father thought he was crazy because he didn't go into construction. And truthfully, my father, who was a great businessman, thought I was crazy to go into government. But blazing your own path will always have the best <laughs> results for your life. Yeah. Oh, and you'll if you do it right, you'll help others. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I just love that, Odie. Such a great point to finish on. And I always love thinking of the person who's jogging somewhere, cycling on their on a train in the way to on the way to work. You might be listening and has been umming and ahhing over a decision, and maybe that that um you know, the comment you made there will be the thing that helps them go, actually, you know, what? I am going to stick to my guns. I'm going to really push this thing and, and I'm going to make this decision. So uh, what a wonderful way to land. Uh, for people who want to find out more about you and maybe follow you online or, or um, find out more about yeah. the city of Atlanta and the amazing work you and the team are doing there, where can people find you online, Odie? Yeah, absolutely. So my Twitter is O'Donald, I-I-O-D-O-N-A-L-D-I-I is my Twitter handle. My Instagram is O-D-Donald-I-I uh, on Instagram. And at the city of Atlanta, we are uh, at the city of Atlanta on Twitter. Uh, Facebook is city of Atlanta. Uh, the same thing for LinkedIn and our Twitter. And so uh, you can find out all of the amazing things that the Dickens administration is putting out into the world. And, you know, if you're interested in some of the uh, cool things I get to lead on behalf of our mayor, then you can look <laughs> at my social media as well and, and welcome everybody to join. Wonderful. I will make sure you go and find out more about Odie and uh, the amazing work that he and the team are doing in Atlanta. I've certainly been uh, inspired and challenged by today's conversation. And I, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Just such a great episode today. I've loved it. Uh, don't forget, I also have the John O. White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day podcast, two other places you can go to continue to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Odie, for being so generous, uh, for your humility, sharing your story. And I think you're going to break down a lot of walls for leaders who can hear you tell your story and go, oh, okay, I can be a significant leader who can have my own story. Those can coexist. And I just love how you shared your story and and great anecdotes, but also great leadership wisdom. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, Jono White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in Step Up or Step Out. 
And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.